Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Josh Weller. And I'm Alfie Brown. And this is the Dirty Air Podcast. Bit of a weird race, wasn't it? It was a bit of a weird race. It really felt like it was going somewhere. It promised a lot. There was. It felt like a race of kind of, are they going to take this... Oh, is he going to overtake? Is this going to happen? Is there going to be a crash? Are Red Bull going to fight each other? Are McLaren's going to fight each other? But then none of it really happened. None of it materialised, no. And in my head, Baku is... It's Charles Leclerc crashing into that um, that tight turn. It's um, Seb smashing his wheel against Lewis. It's Danny and... The, the downfall Danny and of the Danny and Max relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Lewis forgetting to press his button. His or magic press, or button. pressing his magic button by mistake, rather, I should say. Yeah, and there's so many famous Baku moments for such a, for a race that's only existed for such a short time. I think my expectations of it were maybe a little bit too high. Yeah, it's, a, it's always delivered in drama, hasn't it? And there didn't seem to be too much in the way of drama. It always amuses me when everybody's very excited. Nobody gives a shit about anything that's happening in the midfield. It's all like, oh my God, who's going to win the race? Who's going to win the race? Who's going to win the race? And about halfway through the race, they go, ah, that guy's going to win the race. Yeah. Anyway, what's happening back here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to make a movie like that yeah. one day where like about quarter of the way through the movie, like the main guy and the main girl, they just get together and they're fine. And then, and then, and then we have to focus yeah, on their mum exactly. or something. <laughs> but that's what, you know, and Azerbaijan aesthetically, it's a, I think because it's such an interesting track to look at, the buildings, it's a little bit Soviet, it's a little bit European, it's a little bit Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. And I I think it makes it more interesting to look at than like a Monaco. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Loads of old buildings. There's that, um, I mean, it's actually beautiful. Because people always say that Monaco is beautiful. And like, if you're looking at the sea, that's beautiful. But the sea is beautiful, like lots of places. Well, I would maybe, not, not Great Yarmouth. No, I'd not rather in be in Yarmouth. Monaco than Great Yarmouth. Well, depends. I'm not sure. Great Yarmouth might have a really good uh, that street would be a circuit. Fun street circuit. <laughs> Butlin's uh, Corner. <laughs> but like the actual track, Monaco, like the underpass and that little corner with the crappy kind of 90s billboards, that's not beautiful. That looks like Acton, which which is another good idea for a street circuit. I think. I mean, Lewis not being able to get out the car at the end. Because yeah. of his bum bum, like he had a cold bum. I think he had pins and needles in yeah. his bum. 
Yeah. Do you ever get? Do you ever sitting in the weird position where you get pins and needles in your in your penis and your balls? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think that at any point that porpoising is pleasurable? Uh, if it is, it's like maybe on the formation level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's nice. And then suddenly, like you know, I I wonder how much shorter Lewis is getting out the car than he was going in. It must be substantial. Also, you know, there is an element of... Because obviously they can't touch the driver until they've been weighed, right? Okay. That's, so that's why no one was helping him out the car. I wonder how much of it was for the theatre, and I wonder how much of it was real pain. I'm not saying he wasn't in real pain, but I wonder if it was as bad. Because he's a... he's a as a, some, as a man looking at a prime athlete who is in peak physical condition, especially for his age... I'm like, yeah, I think you're probably in less pain than that. But also, as someone who's about the same age as Lewis Hamilton, my back hurts all the time. My back hurts right now. Yeah. My knees hurt all the time. And what did you do yesterday? Nothing. We just watched the race. I wake up every day with a limp. (laughs) Like, what am I doing in my sleep? They can't keep calling it porpoising. No, it's too cute a name. No, it needs to be called brainstem trauma. It's like... like in, you know how in Australia they had that like um, spate of like uh, crimes whereby people would um, like randomly punch people in the side of the head yeah. and it was called king hitting. Yeah. And king hitting sounds so cool that more people wanted to do it. Yeah. So they had to rebrand it like coward punching. Yeah. If you called, like, if you called um, shooting someone marshmallowing. Yeah. It wouldn't sound as bad. Oh, I got marshmallowed. How many times? <laughs> Three times. You know, it doesn't sound as bad. Yeah. And porpoising is like, it's like a little happy dolphin. And they've got the the huge weight of the helmet weighing down on their skull. Which and is all that jewellery. And all that jewellery weighing his silly head down. He just won't take it off, will he? <laughs> Kilograms of platinum weighing oh him down. Oh, my God. That's why he's limping. He's struggling to get his chains out. Uh, Brad Pitt announced that there's a Formula One movie. The plot of the movie is um, a Formula One driver. I believe this is the plot coming out of retirement. And coming back into Formula One. But really, when you look at the drivers who've come out of... Like, Fernando Alonso left, went into an IndyCar. Nicky Lauda left, started a private playing company. Schumacher left and just enjoyed retirement. Prost, Kimi Raikkonen, all these people kind of left. And it doesn't sound like the plot of a great film. Like, the only person who left Formula One and came back that is a glorious story is... Kubica, exactly. That's the only one, but they're never gonna. It's not gonna be a movie about Kubitz. Well, is it? Brad Pitt can't play. I don't want to be cruel to Kubitz. I've got a great deal of affection for him, but I'm not sure. I mean, that seems like taking kind of movie, kind of beautification of uh, real characters a little bit too far. Formula One is the drivers are so fundamentally unlikable. Essentially, rich kids who've been given it. They've grown up on yachts. Who go, hey, daddy, daddy, will you love me if I drive quickly? And the daddy goes, well, I don't know, but let's find out. Here's $100 million. And then they go and race for a bit. And then in the movie, the guy stops racing for a bit and then he comes back. It doesn't sound like an interesting film. There's always a moment in those movies, in any movie, where you can tell the executives kind of got hold of it. And they mm. add an element of like insanity. Yeah, like in Lost, when it's like, what if there's a polar bear on the island? And they're like, guys, this is a tropical island. Exactly. Like they're gonna do, <laughs> they're gonna do something to this. Form. What if 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 the car goes under two hundred miles an hour, it explodes. Yeah, they're gonna yeah, add. Yeah. What if there was speed bumps on the track? They're gonna add something mental to this Formula One movie. Yeah, he's going to sort of take off 
and Ali Oop, the driver, to win the championship <laughs> at the end. He's going to find some way to like wheelie the Formula One car and get it to like the aerodynamics. He shifts in the air over. You ever seen that? Like, um, is it like Indy car or Le Mans where the car like takes off and flips in yeah, the air? Yeah, yeah, the Le Mans over as a Mercedes car. That. That's no, what's going to happen. But he's going to land perfectly. And then you're going to see him flick up his visor, take off his shades and wink to um, his girlfriend, Serena Williams, who's <laughs> waving the checkered flag that day. <laughs> to be fair, if you're talking to movie execs about like believability, you go, OK, the, the, you know, it's the first uh, Grand Prix in Afghanistan and we're doing it to save a bunch of dogs. And um, and uh, all the cars have machine guns just in case of any uh, like rogue Taliban in the area. And uh, the whole paddock is diverse. And the company goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That seems a bit unrealistic. <laughs> Which bit? Just the diverse paddock bit. You have to dial back back. That's mad. Uh, last week, we had a guest blog writer. Um, Jos Verstappen has a blog called Column Verstappen. It was very exciting, wasn't it? And uh, Jos Verstappen very kindly provided us with a day in the life of Jos Verstappen. And clearly, this has spread its way round the Formula One paddock like a wildfire. And we were very fortunate this week because... We reached out to Christian Horner, the, the team principal of Red Bull Racing, and asked Christian Horner if he would provide us with a day in the life. Because we've seen him on Drive to Survive, but we wanted to get to the nitty gritty of yeah. what a full 24-hour cycle is like for the man himself. And Christian Horner very kindly responded and has sent us a blog post of a day in the life of Christian Horner. He writes beautifully, actually. So this is a day in the life of Christian Horner by Christian Horner. I awake every morning, startled to find myself totally submerged beneath our silk sheets, head to toe lost in the Egyptian cotton bedding. I worry, seeing only darkness, that I am dead. But then I see the freckled trunk of Jerry Halliwell from the Spice Girls, and I think, perhaps, I have just drifted down the bed as I sleep. I commando crawl excellently back up... <clears throat> I commando crawl excellently back up the bed till my head is adjacent to Jerry Halliwell's. I see her stir and I lean forward and passionately and sensually give her a kiss on the cheek. She knows. We say good morning to each other and politely I ask her to remind me of the names of my stepchildren. She tells me patiently and, and says I should get up and brush my new teeth. She always calls them my new teeth. She won't let me forget. Jerry and I wait in the bedroom whilst somebody downstairs prepares our breakfast. We've never met them. And, when, and then, when we receive an email assuring us they've left the house, sparing us any interaction, we make our way downstairs. It is a relief not to have to pour the milk on the Golden Grahams myself anymore. I'm a great advocate of marginal gains theory. Jerry and I go out after breakfast and go for our morning horse ride, as, I can only assume, someone is taking the children to school. We trot elegantly through the dappled light of a nearby wood, and I can feel my perineal nerve being bashed into a paste against the leather. I've ridden for so long now that I need a little help with my erections, but trust me, I do okay. <laughs> Jerry laughingly compares my horse to the Alfa Romeo driver, Valtteri Bottas. I force out a laugh and blush as I glance backwards to the immaculate sinewy buttocks of the horse and think, Ah yes, hello Valtteri. <laughs> I am reminded about the time in my late teens when I blinded several horses, thinking of them as God. I thought perhaps if I could blind them, God would be blind and could not judge me. I, I, <laughs> if God could not see, then would I be God? Was this reverence or desire? I come to and realise Jerry Halliwell has been speaking for ten minutes. I nod and tell her I think it's a great idea. She seems pleased. 
I get in my car and have my new chauffeur take me to Red Bull HQ. I have quite a turnover of chauffeurs. I like to get them in before they're really ready to chauffeur, and then over time I passively aggressively break their spirits. I publicly fawn over another superior chauffeur until my chauffeur quits and goes back to driving Uber. Ad infinitum. I get to work and make a, and have big decisions to make. I think about my great rival Toto Wolf with his broad chest and authoritative voice, his broiling alpha machismo swirling around the paddock, intoxicating everyone in the vicinity. He saw me win the championship last year, I remind myself. He must really look up to me. Metaphorically, of course. Lunch is a ham sandwich. I eat it in the car by myself. I have a big meeting with the author of hit blog column Verstappen. Joss Verstappen. He comes into my office and gets his son Max out of what he calls a papoose on his chest and sets him down on the couch to play Nintendo DS. I say, you really shouldn't call it a papoose anymore, owing to its indigenous American heritage. Joss responds, fuck those cunts, and I laugh. I laugh. Oh, Joss, I say. Together, we get to work strategizing constructively about how best we're going to thwart Sergio Perez. He seems pleased with me by the end of the meeting and laughs, slapping me hard on the shoulder. Ouch, I think, but happy to have pleased him. It's good to spend time with another man who knows what's what. A proper man like me. This is the life. I go to the bathroom and stare in the mirror for half an hour. My fists clenched so tightly the blood drains from them. I think about the time I ran into my father in a porn theatre. Snack, granola bar. Oh my God. I go back to my office and play Minesweeper until I can be sure the kids have gone to bed. And then the chauffeur takes me home if he still dares. If not, I get Alex Alban to do it with a lavatory ball cock in his mouth. <laughs> Honey, I'm home, I announce to Jerry Halliwell as I sexily untuck my polo shirt from my beige chinos. What about your perineal nerve, she yawns. Oh, don't worry about that, I say. I have technology. And just then, the Alpha Tauri team bound into the bedroom and gaffetate my flaccid <laughs> cock to a lolly stick. Jerry laughs, pulls her Mercedes sleep mask down and tells me to get some sleep. Hot with shame, I rip off the tape hard just to feel something. I clamber into bed, submerging myself in the sheet, submerging myself in the sheets, hoping to disappear. But I never do. I sleep and dream about cars. Faster than horses, better than God. Thanks so much for sending that in, thanks, Christian. Thanks, Christian. Fucking <laughs> Oh shit, that was wow. He's what a day. What, what a day that's he has. More than I. It's very. That's so different to what I thought a day in the life of Christian <laughs> would be. Yeah, remarkably similar in some places to the plot of the play Equus yeah, very by strange. Peter Schaffer. It's weird that, isn't it? He's like a king. Like art imitating life or life imitating art, whichever way around. Well, either way, thank you, Christian. And we look forward to more Day in the Life of's on the Dirty yeah, Airport. They're going to occur on the off-race weeks, aren't they, Joshua? Oh, boy, they are. Every off-race week we'll be doing a different Day in the Life of. Please let us know via our Instagram and Twitter at Very Dirty Air which uh, members of the Formula One paddock you would like to know or you would like us to reach out to, to to give us a day in the life of their life in Formula One. Moving on to the race results. So every race, I, we, we sing the the race results in a song, which we've been doing for near a decade. And um, I did it to um, NSYNC's Baby Bye 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 Bye. That's what you've got prepared for us Bye. this week, is that, it, Joshua? Because I think it sits well, as you'll hear, with the lyrics of the song and the place of the race. It goes, uh, Ver pass Russ and Gaz, Ver hello Rick, nor Orcobot, Alp to Musclastro, Magzo Lexa, as a bye-bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> 
It fits perfectly. It might be the best one, yeah. yeah. Um, coming in 10th place this week, uh, surprise, surprise, Williams uh, with three points in the Constructors' Championship. I can't talk about Williams again. Like, if you do, you have anything new to say about Williams? I have Williams two team? two things to say about Williams. Two things. Number one is Latifi got a ten second penalty because he was over the start line. That actually is a good thing to say. And about his engineer Latifi, pushed him back, gave him the thumbs up, gave him a little tap on the on the hood, tap on the tap on the yeah, a little tap on the wheel, and was like, "There you go, Nicky. Good luck." And um, he got a ten second stop and start penalty, which is insane. But because I think I think I, I I couldn't see where the tires were, but. I think he would have got a penalty anyway for starting ahead of the start line for the formation lap. So basically the penalty is for not stopping at the right place initially. Well, no, no pushed to the right place. He was pushed because it was for the formation lap. He didn't drive there. He was pushed there. And they they would have parked the car up. And I find it, it it's the FIA setting a precedence for... Because um, basically if they let that go this week, next week Horner would be there you know, blow-drying, the. you know, they have that little blow-dry. He'd be, they'd be doing something beyond the timeline where you're not allowed to touch the car. So they did it to go, these are the rules. Once we hit that buzzer, you don't go near the car. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really unfair. However, um, while we're talking about Latifi, interesting fact, um, Carlos Sainz, so far this season, has double the DNFs of our Nicholas Latifi. Wow. Which is interesting because we all know Latifi loves a crash. Because he wants to get out the car and go watch uh, CSI Miami on a DVD box set at home because he gets bored racing. Yes, but this with signs, it seems like the it's less his fault. Than... I don't know. Yeah, you're right. The DNF this week was engine failure. When it went signs, it was hydraulics, wasn't it? It was yeah, like a. I mean, I feel so sorry for the guy. He went into the off area and he just went, guys, something, something has failed. And in my head, I was like, yeah, you. You, <laughs> your year has failed, Carlos. But anyway, while we're talking about Williams, that's all I really have to say. The three points, poor little Albon, poor little Nicky. Apparently, Nicky's secured his seat for next year. Which has is, he? Apparently, apparently he's staying in, which of course he is. He brings like, can you imagine everywhere you go, you you just bring 150 million with you. Everyone's going to employ. Who I know, like Canada are like a quite a laid back bunch of people, and they're getting behind. I suppose he's like French Canadian, isn't he? Listen, I don't think Canadian F one fans love Latifi and Stroll. Do you know what I mean? I think they support them in a way that yeah, support our buddies. But I think with French Canadians, they're a lot more patriotic about other French Canadians because they're like, they're like, but they're basically Welsh. Like, do you know what it means for like for for how much? And then other Canadians just get on with being Canadian, <laughs> and they go, "Yeah, we're from Canada, but it's, we're not asked." Uh, ninth place, Aston Martin with fifteen points, tied um, with a Haas on points, but sitting at ninth at the very back. Um, great week for our friend Sebastian. Oh my! He had a great race. Pulled it out. Pulled he it had- out from from whence it looked like it might all be going up the shit pipe for him yeah. when he uh, tried to go round the outside. on Round the outside. Round the outside. Two trailer park Esther Martin drivers go round, round the, the outside, outside. Um, on uh, Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso? Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso. Um, and Esteban and Lewis. No, but he fucked it up when going round Esteban, uh, uh, Fernando Alonso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when he went into the little, you know, I've pressed my magic button, I've been shunted by Daniel Ricciardo. Like the little, that little place where people go to die in in Baku the little sort of driver cemetery that they have after turn two or whatever it is yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, he got in there and he went, fuck me, I know what happens when people stay here. Yeah. And flung his, like... Like he, like he, like he flung his rear tires round the other way, like it was like a a, a gigantic ass he was proud of in a nightclub. You know, flung it round and came out, and then almost ended somebody's life. Who was it? Who was coming round? Um, I think it was an Alpine. I thought it was an Alpha. Uh, it might have been an Alpha, but there's a bit in um, Men in Black at the beginning where Will Smith's chasing a guy. Oh yeah. And then the guy does like this backflip against the, runs against the wall and runs up the wall and backflips and runs away. And Will Smith has this moment where he goes, that guy's not human. And that's how I felt watching Seb Vettel do that. Mm. I was like, everyone says this guy's tired. He should retire. He's past it. But watching the reaction time, like when Danny, when, when, when Ricardo went into that same runoff area, he reversed into another car. <laughs> and Seb just went, fuck this, and spun it around and just went straight back out. That whole overtake, though, had the vibe of somebody who goes, listen, you know, like, if I go off, I go off. It, I'm, I might as well try to take this guy. It's such a like 33-year-old driver past his peak driving in a car that's worse than he is move. Going, listen, in for a penny, in for a pound. I go around the outside. Worst that happens, I fling myself out. It's such a fuck you, fuck the sport, fuck everything. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I didn't manage it. I'll overtake. I'll still have a great race. To quote Martin Brundle, uh, he is very much showed the... Um the traits of a uh, wily old campaigner. Oh this my God. As Brundle likes to say about anyone over the age of 30 in Formula One. I know. Wily Isn't it old sad campaigner? to know that we'd be wily old campaigners? Yeah, we're older than Seb all of the Almost all yeah. of the wily old campaigners. Eighth place, Haas, 15 points. Again, nothing really to say here. It seems like Schumacher was racing in another country. Mad. It was like he started the race in Iraq. Schumacher raced like, you know when you nearly fall down the stairs and the next 10 times you go down the stairs, you're a bit careful. I think because he broke the car in half in the last race. <laughs> I think he had that, that mentality where he was like, I'm just going to go a little bit slower this week. Yeah. As long as I finish, I'm okay. He was driving the Grand Prix like he had nine points on his license. <laughs> <laughs> nine points in his license and an open bottle of WKD <laughs> in the cockpit. Um, and poor K-Mag as well. That sad, that not just, it wasn't the DNF that was sad. Sadly, we've, we've kind of come to expect mediocre performances from Haas, which is uh, heartbreak, heartbreaking given the, the start of the year they had. But that bit where, where two bits where K-Mag is firstly pushing his own car into the sort of, uh, the, 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 they open that little hatch and he's pushing his car and he's like, come on, he's like gesturing for help. And then just him sat with his helmet off looking like a sad, because he looks like a boy. Yeah, Magnuson. yeah, he's got a real boyish face. Like you he? said, first day of primary school is what Kevin Magnuson looks like. And yeah, then yeah. someone gave him a bottle of water, and he just looks so sad. He still has the soft facial hair. It looks like it's it, that hair looks like it's the first time it's come out his face. <laughs> like really soft, downy facial hair. A uh, real cute little face. Alpha Tauri in seventh. Alpha Tauri, the uh, very industrious day for them, wasn't it? Real in, as as I think our friend Christian Horner already alluded to in his uh, in his daily blog, real real industry shown. I mean, what I love about Formula One is it's the pinnacle of you know technology, man's relationship with technology. What can we reach? What can we achieve? Mm. I remember my phone didn't work. I got my first phone, my Nokia thirty three ten or something, whatever it was, and it didn't work initially. And I rang up on the house phone one to one. And the landline. Uh, and they said, uh, oh, well, have you tried blowing on the SIM card? 
and I went, this is, this is like, thank you so much for purchasing this state-of-the-art modern technology. If you're having any trouble with this extremely complex technology, please try blowing on it. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that like half of your rear wing has fucked off. Uh, this million dollar machine that you're uh, careering around uh, a street circuit in. But here's some duct tape to yeah. peel down the rear wing. with. It looked utterly sort of fantastic. I really liked it. Uh, but sadly, all the commentators were alerting us to the idea that this was actually extremely dangerous. Well, I mean, wasn't to be encouraged. I don't know whether it's extremely dangerous. I do know that it reminded me of 80s and 90s F1 where, like, someone would come out to refuel a car smoking a cigar. Do you know what I mean? And it just reminded me of this moment when I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, like in the garage, they were like, okay, what are we, like, thinking on their feet? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? They were like, we have all these technical advances, all this. It was like when COVID came out, all this medical science, all of this stuff. What do we do? Just um, wash your hands? Yeah. <laughs> wash your hands for two years. Like, just duct tape it. Just that boom. And then watching the guy doing it too slowly. There was two engineers at the back. Because they have two guys at the back of the garage who never get to go. They don't do the pit stops. They don't do the fuel changes. They're not strategists. They're not analysts. They are two guys in every garage called duct tape Charlies who have to go. (laughs) And they never get. And these duct tape Charlies finally got a moment to shine this week. Because they're usually just doing like, you know, like making sure that the seal is right on a. It's the same person that puts the feta in the couscous salad. In the team, in the kitchen. Yeah, but then they're called Feta Charlies, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, but they're the same because of the cutbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got to double up. Just so fun to watch. It was really sweet, wasn't it? It was really, really nice. Also, aren't they all wearing helmets? I didn't quite see it, but I really want to see the guy have to kind of push the duct tape into his helmet. Yeah, how, do bite you bite, t- the... how do you bite? And how do you tear it when you're wearing gloves? Uh, they obviously managed. But they're professionals. These are, <laughs> these are duct tape Charlies we're talking about. These aren't like, this is not you or me, is it? This is duct tape Charlie's we're talking about. Um, a, um, uh, who, who have we got next? A respectable uh, 41 points, Alfa Romeo. Um, we have time for smacky bud, bud, bud. Bit of an unremarkable week. Not much bot bot for bot bot this week. Uh, there was nothing. Bit nothing of a knock on. Um, there was, uh, w- 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 and you know. Joe, the greatest showman. The greatest showman. I felt so bad for him when they were, when they told him to come in. Because he was driving his little heart out. Oh, man, he was having such... It, but then I think a lot of people who drove the car hard uh, suffered, didn't they? Yeah. Like, uh, Ferrari didn't quite deal with the straights well enough in there, and they, they kind of just burst. Um, the other Ferrari engine, the Haas, that we've just done, why is that guy all up in my Haas? What are you going to do with all that Haas inside Hass. them jeans? Uh, they Ferrari engine, they kaput on the on the straights, which mm. doesn't really bode well for Canada. Kaputs. Canada's like a... You know, big straight circuit, isn't it? Which is going to favour Red Bull. And there was a lot of I mean, kaput. Get onto this, yeah, but. yeah, we'll get. Yeah, we'll get to this. There's some interesting stuff going on up the up the grid, but like mm. it was a bit of a non-week for Alfa Romeo. It was a bit of a non. Alfa and Romeo. I, and I like both of the drivers, and I wish them. I, and I, 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 I'm willing them to do well in fifth place. Alpine, my copine, from Alpine, I mean, again, Ocon has become. He's just this young guy whose job every week is to fight off Lewis Hamilton, <laughs> Seb Vettel, and his teammate. That seems to be Ocon's job in F1 now. It seems to be like quite a route one response to Formula One tactics that Alpine have. This might be wrong, but it, I mean, as, as as the layman amongst us, it feels like they're always bragging about their straight line speed. Mm-hmm. They're always going straight line speed matches up with anybody. But also you've got two drivers 
who are naturally gifted defensively. So what you've got is like, if you've got straight line speed, you can't be overtaken on the straights or it's harder to overtake on the straights. And if you're good defensively, then you'll be good at like closing off angles around corners. Anything your car lacks in that department, your driver can overcompensate for. So they've got the car's deficiencies balanced out by the strength of the driver, if you know what I mean. Yeah, totally. And I think that Ocon as well, like he's like he went and got a a stylist last week, didn't he? That was a big mm. thing in the in Well, that of course will have helped, won't it? He didn't look that stylish showing up at the. I don't know if this. I don't know if they've started work yet, but he looked very much like the same Esteban Ocon that we know and love. I wonder if he can grow facial hair. First of all, I, I would like to see him do something with his hair. It doesn't strike me as he's naturally kind of blessed with, you know, a lot of opportunities or um, scope for imagination in the hairdresser's salon, like perhaps you or I are. Who is the best? Who has the best hair? All right, I'm going to give you Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Seb Vettel, mm-hmm. Alonso, mm-hmm. and Sainz. If you could have any one of their hairdos, Sainz. I think his hair's gone mental. Well, I I like it, but I think you need to be. Like, I wouldn't want his hair because it's so, it's so shimmering and gl- it's like Jennifer Aniston's hair. It's gorgeous, silky. Sainz has a Rachel. Is that what you're saying? Like it, it, yeah, like bloke Rachel. But you need to be. You need to. I. You can't. I don't think you can be pale with that. With pale, you need to have, you know, textured hair like mine. You can't have... So I wouldn't want his hair, but I think it's the best hair. I like Alonso's because he, he I, I, as a mixed race person, yeah. I've never been able to run my fingers just through my hair, you know, just and then just do that re- that thing that men with straight hair that they slick it back do, where you just run your fingers through, give it a little shuffle, and then you've got like a cool, like you could be a Spitfire pilot, you know, that yeah, look. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've always, I've wondered what it would be like to have that. I remember... So I would go with... Fernando Alonso. I was talking to you once about what kind of style hair I should go for. Like I was going to go to the hairdressers, and you said I think you'd be, uh, I think you'd look quite good with slicked back hair. Yeah. Uh, and you, you said because because Alfie, you've got quite a slicked back head. <laughs> uh, and I went, oh yeah, I, I see, and I did see what you mean. I still see what you mean. There was something in the air that night. The stars were bright. Fernando Alonso. Alonso became the longest standing F1 driver in F1 history. So the driver that's done the most races? He he has been a F1 driver for the longest amount of time. I thought they both put in a great stint this weekend. Alonso in seventh and Ocon in tenth. Fine at the back of the points, but in the points. Yeah, and they did... I think like when watching it on TV, after the race director realised that... Um, like realised who was going to win you know about you know a third or a half of the way through the race whenever it was they got a lot of camera time and were seen to be doing a lot of good work on camera they were they were part a lot part of a lot of the exciting action yeah whether I mean, they were holding somebody up or getting overtaken that's because he, the reason they did that is because if I time the gap between Max and Sergio right right now so it goes here goes Max and uh, let's just Let's just figure out that there's quite a gap between the two cars. Quite a gap by the end of the race. So if you're watching as a camera, one's gone by. And uh, that was Max who went by. And Sergio is going to come past right about now. That is mental. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder they were showing us the back of the... How did Max get 19 seconds ahead of his teammate? I... 
They you know both what? pitted twice. Let's we'll get to it when we review Red Bull. And to be honest with you, this this is where it all gets a little bit spicy because in fourth place with sixty five points is McLaren Mercedes, and this is where all the subplots of Formula One start to get. This quite was interesting. great, and this was what really had my. This is the first race in quite a while. You know, we say that it wasn't you know the best race in the world, but it was the first race in a while that had my adrenaline up. And I had my adrenaline up because I was excited to see Ricardo finish ahead of Lando. But also, I why was not Lando being such a little brat at the end of the race? Was he? Be, I, well, I'll give you three guesses. Okay. He's a brat. Okay. Have you guessed yet? I think it's is it because he's a brat. Yeah, it's because he's a brat. Yeah. It, it felt like his, a lot of public school was coming out in that moment, or private school. Sorry, was coming out of him in that moment. What did he say? He it was said, like some, I don't understand why. You know what that's like? That's like, you know, the kid on the school bus that asks for some of your gummy bears and gets angry when you don't give them any. Yes. Even though they're not his gummy bears. Why that's can't what I just? Why can't, what's, what's the big problem? You've got a packet of gummy bears. Just give me, and then start slapping you. Just give me a chew. Give me a chew. Come on. He's the, he's the kid that you're, you'd be on a school bus and a, and a football would hit your head halfway through the journey. And you'd know before you even look up. <laughs> That you'd see his little funny face, you, and everyone high fiving him. You've got a specific person in your brain, don't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With the signs and um, Norris sort of bromance that they kind of created, not to say they don't like each other, but they did create this PR. Hey, they're two buddies. Everyone thought that Danny being the kind of. Um, it's like two things. Two ingredients that don't go well together mm-hmm. that really, really work, like salted caramel. But if you add salt to something else salty, it's too salty. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've got with Danny and Lando. The caramel's too gone. Too salty! And signs very much a caramel if he was, a, if he was an Ugh. ingredient of any kind. Ugh. And like now you've got these two ingredients that are just too similar and they're clashing. He is an exciting driver. If, if, you if you'd never heard Lando speak, you'd think he was an exciting driver mm. to watch. And he is an exciting driver to watch. And, you know, Lewis has done his kind of performative, magnanimous thing with Lando going, oh, man, he's such a good driver. Yeah, uh, after I would pa- know because after I'm the best. Him, yeah, 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 after passing him. Yeah, yeah, there's no... God, he's such a good driver. He held me up for, oof, almost three minutes. What what, what a driver he must be to be slightly <laughs> inferior to me. Uh, but you know, that, Dan, when, Danny has the charisma. I, I mean, I'm... And it always has had a charisma, likability, and um, a a sense of humour and a self-effacing thing that, that I think Lando doesn't have. Lando, he hasn't got got it yet, but he's a kid as well. You got to give him a minute, you know. Yeah, Danny was a kid. He wasn't like that. In third, with a whopping point gap between McLaren with sixty-five, Mercedes one hundred and sixty-one. I mean, again, Lewis is back. Also, if Lewis misses next, Lewis isn't going to miss the next race. He's not going to. They're just saying he might. But if they do, do you know who races? <gasps> My favourite driver who sounds like a dessert, little phyllo pastry, with a little with a little apple, some cream. Can I get some? Can I get some cream on the side? Can I have waiter? Hi, can I order the Stoffel Van Dorn? 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 He is he is he is a super he's like a supermodel who hasn't got the contracts yet. He knows they're coming 
and the way he presents to camera, sipping that bottle of nice bottle of fizzy white, of fizzy water after, and the way he puts the watch on, and the way he just kind of he has this sideways slant. He's gorgeous. Did I say George. this last week? But he's he's like he grew up a nerd around nerds, yeah. and then got to a certain age where somebody who was attractive said to him, "You're attractive, you know," and then he suddenly realised that he had some capacity for sexuality. He is he is exactly like in Love Island where you have like the like the one who's an NHS doctor or the one who's you know a, a, an actuary but he has a, a bit of a six pack and he's a um yeah I always liked uh you know girls and dancing I'm a bit of a some people say I'm a bit of a player because you've been friends with nerds all your life and you have abs yeah. so therefore all of your friends think you're the really fit one and you were the fit <laughs> one in the context of the nerds you grew up with but now you're the fit one. like now you're in the context of a love island and nobody George has the confidence of like the hottest person doing chemistry at UCL. Second place, Ferrari, 199 points. <sighs> I mean... Yeah, that sound. Move on. I mean, that is... It's it's so frustrating. And it feels like they've designed a car to qualify in, as if you get points <laughs> from qualifying. Here's the thing. It's not enough that um, the way that the championship was won last year... And then you add insult to injury the fact that the Mercedes, for all intent and purposes, is like someone pushing a child around in a wheelbarrow while ju- pushing it up and down as they run, right? And it, they're having this horrible, bumpy, brainstem trauma porpoising. So not only did, did Red Bull win in the way they did last year, also the greatest comeback rivalry hasn't been allowed this year mm-hmm. because Mercedes dropped the ball in the way that they have. And then to add insult to injury... I just find it so annoying Literally, that, that Red Bull... It's not about them winning. It's not that I care that I don't want them to win. It's just I just don't want to, them to run away with it this easily. The point gap is 199 for Ferrari to 279 for Red Bull now. And it's just insane. Like, it's like how can Ferrari, Ferrari not have a car that can finish a race? There seems to be a degree of casuality behind the operation at Ferrari that seems like... They are only half thinking things through. They're constantly thinking, like, how do we qualify first? Brilliant. We'll absolutely blitz the car uh, to do, you know, exactly what it needs to do to get around the track. And then Red Bull on the radio, when Mm -hmm. they were saying, when they said, uh, oh, uh, Sergio, that's P3 or whatever it was. Uh, uh, Max, that's P2 or P4, whatever you got. They were fine. Yeah. They weren't asked because they knew they had the race pace. Yeah. And so it's all very well, like, and I do think, like, you remember last year, like, Max was so unlucky with his tyres just yeah. bursting. And Red Bull really seemed to have learnt those lessons. Like, they went in for an extra tyre change towards the end of the race to make mm. sure that nobody's tyres burst. They were constantly on the radio to Max saying, like, let's do 147s, let's do 147.5s, let's keep the pace consistent, let's not do anything. And Max going back saying, if I do that slowly, then the tyres are going to cool down. And they went, just shut the fuck up and do what we say or everybody was meticulously going through what they thought needed to happen to ensure that nothing fucked up. Whereas Ferrari still have this hell for leather attitude that I think Red Bull had last year, which is why the championship race was so close. And Ferrari need a little bit more pragmatism in the way that they go about setting up. It always felt like Ferrari had more capacity to fuck up. Because we were seeing them fuck up with cars. Yeah, and also we've seen them fuck up for the last four years. And also we've seen them fuck up for the last four years. But I mean, God, just, it's just, it just, what what I don't want to happen this year is to have another Mercedes 
2020, Mercedes 2019, where like seven races before the end, you know how it's going to end. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that leads us into Red Bull um, in first place with 279 points. And it was funny because when Perez took the lead of the race, they went, this is the first time in history a non-pole sitter has led the race. And I was like, it's not history. The, the race started in 2017 here. It's like I saw you and McGregor talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi the other day, the, yeah. the show. And he went... Disney Plus uh, have had the it's the most streamed show in the history of Disney Plus and I was like yeah but it's been on the air for two years Disney Plus like it's a brand new streaming service it's like when Q Magazine do best album of the millennium yeah yeah well we're We're like 20 years into the millennium aren't we (laughs) but like I mean again talking about subplots that you don't think are going to happen it's eased off a bit now, but that Max Perez rivalry is going to be. I mean, Yoss is going to get very angry if Perez wins the next race. But looking at the way this race went, I don't think Canada is sufficiently racy. Did you see how racy this race? They was? were so racy. All the cars. This I could have actually done with there being a little bit more. This racy. race were very racy. This race, but not. Oh, my favorite bit of commentary was when um, I don't know who it was, uh, but somebody said. Look how squirrely Charles Leclerc is as he comes out of turn two under power. What the fuck are you on? Look how squirrely yeah. he is. I heard Crofty say, he's like an, e- uh, an electric eel on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice, that one. But Red I mean, Bull are... I mean, watching this thing between Max and, and Perez unfold has been... Uh, it's really giving me a lot of joy because I, there's going to be a moment where they clash. It's going to happen this year. It was so easy for Max to get past Sergio today. Well, uh, yeah, yesterday. but I, I feel like when they because when they pit Max, it's like and he's uh, uh, it's a new record for Red Bull at zero point seven seconds for the pit stop, and then Perez, it's always four point three seconds. Yeah, yeah. I just feel they like almost do it to like kind of embarrassing. <laughs> All the like uh, the, the pit team come out like dancing with their wheels. <laughs> Are the drivers swearing? when their pit stop goes beyond two seconds in their helmets. Do you think they're like, like, are they doing that? Or are they just quiet and calm and collected? Given how I am when somebody doesn't indicate to go into the centre lane on the M25, mm. I imagine they're swearing. And you're not a Formula One driver. I'm not, no, not yet. Well, leading on next week, we have the Canada race, which they, again, they always say the wall of champions because it's a wall that people crash into. It's mental. Um, <laughs> I do pretend that I'm the I'm in Formula One when I'm driving on the motorway. Do you though. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try and get into a slipstream. <laughs> and then when I overtake, I kind of duck out. That's it for this week's Dirty Air. Join us next week for the Canadian Grand Prix. My name is Josh Weller. And my name is Alfie Brown. And if you've been enjoying the show, please comment, like and subscribe. You've been listening to Dirty Air.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.